So I want to go back to our series scriptures. We're focusing, uh, first of all, on Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. Because here Paul points out just how great God's capacity is to do more in our lives. It says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Turn to somebody and tell them he can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask, think, or imagine. In other words, it's God not holding out on us. We just think too small. J.B. Phillips says, Now to him who, by his power within us, is able to do far more than we even dare to ask or imagine. And then we look at Psalm 115, verses 12 through 14. The Lord hath been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless them that fear the Lord. Turn to somebody and say, that means I qualify. Both small and great. And listen to this. The Lord shall increase you more and more, you and your children, because he is the God of the more. But listen to this in Deuteronomy chapter 1. God promised the father of faith, Abraham, that he would have descendants like the sand on the shore and stars in the sky. And in Deuteronomy chapter 1, basically the Bible affirms that God did this, but he goes on to make an even greater promise. He says, The Lord your God hath multiplied you, verse 10, and behold, ye are this day as the stars of heaven for multitude. He goes on to say, The Lord God of your fathers make you a thousand times so many more as you are, and bless you as he hath promised you. And the reason this is so important, these messages that are trying to lay a foundation and set you up for a discussion on all the ways that God wants to do the more in your life this year. If we can't get things straightened out in your mind, you're not going to enjoy much of his more this year. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. In other words, don't pay attention necessarily to outwards and expressions and emotions and even words sometimes. Pay attention to what's going on in that person's mind because that's controlling ultimately what they're going to become and what they will do in this life. The biggest hindrance to all of us is the habit of unscriptural thinking. That's the big time problem for us. And if you and I will get a hold of this revelation and let the Lord move and renew our minds and reform and fashion the strongholds that are there, there really is no limitation for God's people. In fact, it's not God putting limitations on us. The Bible tells us that we put the limitations on Him. In Psalm 78, 42, Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. I don't know about you, but I don't want to limit Him in my life. Turn to somebody and say, I want everything. I want Him to do everything that He wants to do in my life. Now, I talked quite a bit last week about the different kinds of thoughts that you and I need to be aware of, things that are contrary, things that make up the strongholds that are negative in our lives. But first, let me talk about what a stronghold actually is. It's a well-fortified place or a fortress. In this case, a well-fortified place in our thinking, a fortress in our thinking, reinforced over the years and becomes very much a, a place that can't be penetrated. Now, I know, just like you, you probably heard some things growing up when you were just little kids, and then people began to add to that, and some rebarb here and some concrete there. The next thing you know, you've got this fixed thing on the inside of you that says what God won't do or what God can't do or what God doesn't do anymore. You grow up with these parameters and these limitations, and guess what? God didn't fashion any of that. And that's one of the reasons why you come to a word church and you hear something and it goes crosswise with your religion. You've got to make up your mind, I am not going to pursue religion. I'm going to pursue the God, amen, who gave us his word. And what we need to do is systematically deconstruct these strongholds. Tear them up. Amen. Get your jackhammer. Whatever it takes and remove them, and then replace them with godly strongholds. And there are many examples of this in, in you know, modern life where you know, people have told us what we can't do. They, they will say silly things like, you know, God is your problem, and God will just break your leg just to prove that he can make you better or to teach you something. And you, get, and you hear this time upon time upon time upon time. It becomes a stronghold. 
unless you remain teachable, that thing will keep you from God's best in your life. You won't enjoy the more. And when you get to heaven, some of y'all are going to be shocked about what God would have done. If you'd have chosen to line your thinking up with him instead of man-made teachings and religion, he is the God of the more. He already said in Ephesians 3 that he's able to do more than we can ask or imagine. So should we be thinking higher or lower as people of God? Higher than we ever have before in Jesus' name. Amen. Say, I'm going up. In my thinking, I want you to go up with me. So in other words, it doesn't do any good to even talk about the process I'm going to give you today for tearing down those old mental strongholds and building biblical strongholds if you're more devoted to your religion than you are to the Word of God. Say that with me. I'm teachable. I'm pliable. I'm correctable. I'm humble. It does take some humility, amen, to admit that what you believe for years, maybe decades, is wrong. But if you go ahead and replace whatever was wrong with the Word of God, you're using great wisdom in your life. Religion restricts and suppresses and holds back. Amen? But whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And how are you set free? By revelation of His Word. So I'm not um, really just saying something to you today that I haven't experienced. We all form and fashion these things. A word here, a word there, a letter here, a TV program over here, a magazine article over here, a relative over here. But after a lifetime, it's a miracle you and I can receive anything from God. Amen. But the more we tear down those old strongholds and build biblical mental models and biblical mental strongholds, you know, it all changes and we can be ready for the God of the more. You know, for example, I could get up here and talk to you about uh, the promise of redemption and how it includes healing, for example. But if you've been taught all your life that God put something on you, until I can get rid of that stronghold, you're not going to believe anything about God's healing promises. <laughs> I could even tell you this. You go from Matthew all the way in all four Gospels and read every story of healing. You won't find one time where Jesus put a sickness on anyone. Not even once. How could you build a doctrine of God gives sickness when Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen what? You've seen the Father. How can you build a doctrine on silence like that? And yet you'd be amazed how many people believe that God is their problem. Well, look, God's not your problem. God is your solution. Say it with me. God is my answer. But if, by example, we can't get you to yield to the Word of God instead of your tradition, you will fall into what Jesus said prophetically. You make the Word of God of none effect with your tradition. You rob it of its power. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you these, these five steps, and I just want you to go ahead and write them down. And you say, why? Because if I don't get to number four or five, you'll still have it. Amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> but I want you to, to take this and meditate upon this. So this is not something you just, well, I went to a service today. Praise the Lord. Let's go to lunch and forget about it. But as you hear us talk about the various dimensions of the more, make sure you apply these principles to your life. Number one is inspect. You're going to inspect what's going on in your own brain in terms of your theological strongholds and what you believe. Number two, you're going to correct. That means whatever is not right, you're going to actively move to deal with what is not right in your thinking. Number three is protect. You're going to begin to protect your heart because out of your heart flow the issues of life. Number four, what you're going to do is you're then going to inject, meaning specifically, the things of God, the thoughts of God, and how do we do that? And last, we're going to reflect. And what you do is you, you understand that each dimension here is going to add benefit to you in forming new strongholds and dealing with old strongholds that have been holding you back. I want you to get this deep down in your spirit. God's not been holding you back. He's not against you. And if God be for you, who can be against you? But do you know who your number one worst enemy is? 
you. The limitations are in your own mind. And what I'm teaching is, is not new age, it's not mind science, it's not positive thinking. Certainly having a biblical mindset makes you more positive in your outlook in, in terms of your hope. What we're talking about is not replacing some stronghold you have with some other man's philosophy. No. We're talking about tearing down man's philosophy and replacing it with what God says. That's the difference. That's what makes this good teaching regarding the renewing of your mind is we're not telling you to tear down one theologian and replace it with another. Tear down one church and replace it with another. We're talking about tearing down unscriptural thought and replacing it with the Word of God on purpose. All year long. I said all year long. 2024 is a year of the more. So going back to inspect, this is where you examine your current thoughts and imagination for those strongholds. In some cases, we have built this over a lifetime. You hear something enough, it's going to be so pounded into you that you're going to believe that without even thinking, is it true or not? Raise your hand if you've been in this church, you've had to unlearn something, unlearn something. If your hand's not raised, it will be. Just... <laughs> Just give us some time. <laughs> but that's not a bad thing. To say I don't need to unlearn a thing is to say that I have only been exposed to 100% pure Word of God all my life. And if you can't say that, then yes, you've got some unlearning to do. Amen? See, if you don't tear down these strongholds, if you don't be honest, okay, what's in there right now that's limiting me? If you don't tear down those strongholds, you'll be saved but you'll still be defeated all the days of your life. In fact, right now, in this room are people who make the decision to tear down those strongholds. Some folks may play around with it, and some folks may say, it's not that big of a deal, I'm fine, I'm going to heaven. Look, you, you'll go to heaven, but you will not live in the more on this earth, and you won't be able to help other people enjoy God's more. In other words, just stay like you are. I thank God you're saved. In the scheme of things... Being right with God and going to heaven is more important than anything you do on this life. But I don't know if God made a promise in the Word of God for this earthbound part of our existence. I think He wanted us to have it on this earthbound part of our existence. And how do you want to deprive God of His will for your life by ignoring these principles? Amen. People talk about wanting to honor God. How about honoring God's will for your life while you're on this planet? And be an influence for others to do the same thing. If we don't tear them down, we'll be saved, but we'll be defeated. It's possible to be saved and never embrace the full life the Holy Spirit has to offer you. It's possible to be saved and never ever know what it means to be physically healed. It's possible to be saved and never know what it means to be delivered from that habit that's been controlling you all your life. It's possible to be saved and never ever have enough to pay your bills. Because somebody taught you that poverty was spiritual. Let me help you out here. Poverty is a curse. It's part of the curse. And no Christian should say, I'm going to live under the curse to look holy and spiritual to somebody. You talk about a stronghold. When it comes to God supplying people's lives, you'd be amazed how many people were taught this and yet they go out and work 80, 90 hours, give up their health and their family to make some money that they say isn't God's will to have in the first place. It's like the guy says, I don't believe in healing. Don't believe all those healing scriptures, those healing nutcases, you know, out there and they're ministering, laying hands on people. Then why are you going to the doctor if you don't believe in healing? Thou art a hypocrite. You believe in healing. You just don't believe it comes from God, who is the author of life. He's the one that made you. I know some wonderful surgeons and, and doctors. And I thank God for them and the nurse practitioners and the, and the nurses and all the healthcare professionals have the utmost respect for them. They're wonderful. But not one of them created you. I think the creator knows how to heal what's broken. You got a broken ticker. He knows how to fix it because he made it. 
got some kidneys that are messing up. He knows how to fix them because he made them. But if your mental model is, well, you just suffer and then go to be with Jesus one day and maybe get some help from a doctor or whatever the case may be. No. The scripture still stands with long life I'll satisfy thee and then show you my salvation. It's all about mental models. That's why the psalmist cries out in Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24, Search me, O God, and know my heart. He didn't say, Search my spouse, O Lord, and know their heart. Because they're really aggravating me right now. No, it's search me. Turn to somebody and say, Search me, O God. Now listen to this carefully. And know my thoughts. Search me and know my what? Thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. What of my thoughts are grievous to the Lord? Thoughts of doubt and fear and unbelief and impurity, whatever the case may be, and holding on to religion and tradition. You know, what am I doing? Ask him, and he will, to search you and reveal to you where your thinking is wrong. There needs to be an inspection of your thought life. And some of you are thinking, I don't need much inspection. I know there are problems in my thought life. <laughs> well, that's a good start. I have never known anyone in Scripture, or in my experience as a minister, who humbled themselves before God, that God did not lift them up and help them. Ever. No matter what they did wrong or what went wrong, whatever happened, if they humbled themselves, your God was there to pick them up. And the same is true today. We're not trying to harm you here. But there's no point in talking about biblical mental models until you find out what's already there. And what's in your brain today are a lot of thoughts that do not come from Scripture. They're manisms and theological treaties and, you know, snippet here and a snippet there. And it's even worse in the information age. The age of social media and engineering what people are supposed to believe. You know, this world has been conducting an experiment on all of us, not just the world, but on Christians too, to see how much garbage they'll believe if it's rammed down their throat enough. And I'll give you one example. World Health Organization is pushing an initiative right now for what they're calling Disease X. They say it's going to be 20 times worse than covid and that what we need to do as nations in the West, including the United States, is we all need to give over our sovereignty on health care to the World Health Organization because they know best. They lie through their teeth the whole time. They don't deserve to have any of our sovereignty as a nation, not a single entity of it. You messed it up so bad the first time. Now we're going to trust you again. You need to contact your senators and congressmen and tell them you don't want any part of that. And do it quickly. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Look at somebody and say, you need to inspect your thought life for strongholds. Number two, correct. Any and all obvious thoughts or imaginations that are unbiblical. And here's the thing, nobody can do that for you but you. You may say, yep, I've got some problems here. Um, Nobody's going to be able to correct that when you discern that it you know, contradicts what God says in His Word. You know, it, it, it sounds so holy to say that, uh, you know, God puts something on somebody to teach them. But understand this, that God corrects through His Word. We're in a fallen world. And that's the reason why there is death and sickness and disease. Amen. Every... You know, every person, as soon as they're born, they begin to age. That's not the way it was in the garden. There was no curse. Do you know what, uh, you know what wrinkles are? They're curse marks. <laughs> Under the blessing, there was no aging. There was no dying. As a pastor, I've lived long enough to see people who, who literally waste away. That's not your God's doing. Does that make sense? So what you have to do is be honest about it and say, this is in my life, and now I'm going to go about correcting this with the truth, not with somebody else's opinion, 
but with the truth of the Word of God. Any and all obvious thoughts or imaginations that are unbiblical, nobody can do this for you. You take seriously the Scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself above the knowledge of God, meaning the Word of God, and bringing into captivity some of the thoughts. Every thought to the obedience of Christ. Every rogue thought that doesn't go with Scripture, it's up to you to do it. If you want the more in 2024, you're going to have to identify and then correct those and be honest about it. God, I believe this all my life or I believe this lie or I believe this misbelief, whatever the case may be. Now I'm going to correct that in Jesus' name. I'm going to cast down that thing. Every time it comes back to my mind, I'm going to cast it to the ground and command it to die and to bear no fruit in my life because it has no business being in my life. God did not raise you up so you would be just a, you know, a target of somebody's lies all the time but be manifesting the truth of God in your heart. One of my favorite John Osteen stories is when he found out that uh, his sister was incapacitated. She was losing her mind and her body was shutting down. She was in Dallas. He was in Houston. He got up in the one morning and said, I'm going over there. I'm going to deal with this thing in Jesus' name. And he prayed in the Holy Ghost all the way from Houston to Dallas. And he walked into that facility where she was infirm, walked through that door, pointed his finger at her and said, Mary Gibbons, I command you in the name of Jesus to come to your right mind for your body to line up with the word of God and be healed in Jesus' name. And you know what happened? She snapped out of it, came to her right mind. And her testimony was when he walked through, she saw Jesus walk through that door. The Lord touched her. And she looked at him and she said, you know why I got like this? I believe that God was doing this to me to teach me a lesson. Watch this. It's not God trying to teach a lesson. It was the devil trying to kill, steal, and destroy. And that mental model needs to go away. You cannot resist what you think God did. You're not that big. But you certainly resist what the devil's trying to do. He is the author of all that nonsense, not your God. But you're going to have to inspect and then you're going to have to be honest and correct. Casting down. That phrase, casting down, means to immediately and suddenly and violently cast that thing down. Say violently. violently. Suddenly. suddenly. Immediately. You know what you and I do? We put up with this stuff year after year after year after year after year after year and maybe get fed up with it. No, as soon as it starts to manifest, what you need to do is cast it down. I want no part of this. I'm not going to believe a lie another day. Amen. His sister went out and lived out her years. You know, we often said one word from God can change your life forever. One word from the devil can too. If you believe it. So I'm not going to believe that. We have weapons that are, that are not carnal. What are they? Well, it's, for example, things like the belt of truth, not carnal. I used to compare everything else in my life, and it holds up all the other pieces of the armor. My feet shod with the shoes of peace. Amen. With a breastplate of righteousness. Anything that tells me I'm an old sinner, dog, saved by grace, and not the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus means that my armor is not fully on. I take up what? The shield of faith that I can quench every fiery dart or lie from the enemy. Are you here today? I put on the helmet of salvation. Right? My mind is being protected by the truth of God and I am able to withstand the assault of the enemy. And I pick up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And I know when to swing it. And how do you swing the sword of the Spirit? By the words of your mouth. Look at somebody and tell them, it's not a sword until word is coming out of your mouth. Your sword is still in the scabbard as long as you're saying nothing. Say it with me. I inspect and then I reject. <laughs> um, many of you know that I, I grew up uh, from an early age in, uh, in competitive swimming. And my, uh, my very first lesson was a Red Cross lesson at the Marion City Pool in Marion, Illinois. And about eight or nine of us sitting on the little, you know, pool deck edge like little ducks waiting for their turn. 
<laughs> and when, um, when the instructor came to me, I got up and ran. I just ran to the other side of the complex to avoid. <laughs> and um, one day, uh, we were in Carbondale, and I still wasn't swimming. Now, my brothers had been swimming by that time, and I started eyeballing this big inner tube in the middle of the pool. And uh, my mom's like, well, you know, you know, the instructor and I agree, if you want to go play on that, you're going to have to swim out there. And so I did. I just jumped in the water and swam out there like I've been swimming all my life. And then I threw everybody else off the inner tube. It was great. A lot of fun. Just <laughs> knocked them off. King of the, <laughs> King of the mountain. But, uh, you know, when I was seven, eight years old and started competing in actual races, uh, particularly as a, as a breaststroker, my stroke and my technique was not always legal or correct. And so when I jump in the water and race, one of the officials would raise their hand. And then they're, they're all dressed like the Pillsbury Doughboy in white from head to toe. You couldn't miss them. And they raise their hand, you could just see it. And so when you got out of the water, they said, well, your time's not going to qualify. You're not going to get an award because you are DQ. It doesn't stand for Dairy Queen, folks. <laughs> you going to take me to Dairy Queen? No. <laughs> it means you're disqualified. And now I'm supposed to take this paper to my coach so he can explain to me what I did wrong. At that time, Bill Livingood was our coach, and so I just would take the paper over there. And this happened so much that I got tired of taking the paper over to the coach. Um, month after month, this went on, without me making a single correction. One day we were in the Forest Park. It's now St. Louis Community, St. Louis, uh, you know, uh, uh, Community College or Junior College, right across from St. Louis Zoo. And I'm swimming over there, and I got another one. And I decided, I'm, I'm not taking this to the coach, so I just marched to the bathroom and flushed it down the toilet. That was the end of that for me. I was just tired of hearing this. Look at somebody and say, slow to learn. <laughs> Turn to somebody else and tell them, slow to learn. Probably, I don't know, eight, nine, ten times the coach told me what they were saying I did wrong. And to go back and do the same thing again. One day I woke up because I got tired of swimming and getting DQ'd and not getting anything out of it and not winning anything. And that was, I was at eight years old. By the time I was nine and doing it correctly and not being thrown out, I was qualifying for state. By the time I was 10, I won the Illinois state championships, held a record there for years. And by the summer, I was ranked in the top 10 in the nation from disqualification to national ranked swimmer. Now, what happened? I'll tell you what happened. I finally inspected and corrected. And that's exactly what could happen to many of you in this room. If you'll look at that and say, you know, it's, it's about time I started heeding the correction of God so I can excel in the thing he's called me to excel in. Let me tell you something. It wasn't the coach that held me back. It wasn't the official that held me back. It wasn't the meat that held me back. It wasn't my teammates that held me back. Who was holding me back? I was holding myself back. This complete total package of potential and hard work and the ability to do this. I'm just telling you, it's hard to understand this if you're not in the sport, but it's a big deal to be ranked as one of the top 10 swimmers in that event anywhere in the nation. And really not just the nation because we had the top 20 swimmers in the world at that time. All from doing what? Making a correction. Turn to somebody and tell them, if you need to make a change, make a change. Throw down that old dog way of thinking and make the correction in your life. Some of you are just a very simple change away from total victory in your life. If you'll do it, say it, inspect and correct. The third is protect. And that means now that you're working from a place of health, monitor your life for unbiblical inputs. From now on, Guard your heart because it is what? It's the wellspring or the source of all things pertaining to life. Proverbs 4.23. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Now, you know, this movie that we showed you is a compilation that Tyler did of all the times that uh, Jim Craig, Craig stopped shots from going into the net. To give you some perspective here, the world was in a mess. The Cold War was, was the highest. We had an energy crisis. 
our president at that time, Jimmy Carter, would later boycott the Summer Olympics. It was a mess. The tension was extremely high, and you can't even appreciate how much a big deal it was to the USA to win that match and how big a deal it was for them to lose. But those guys, those big guys in the red you know, uh, you know, uniforms shot 39 times at Jim Craig. By contrast, the Americans shot six times and made four goals. They shot 39 times and Jim Craig blocked 36 of those. Now, that's the illustration. You need to start blocking these thoughts from even getting into your net. And nobody can do it for you. Pastor can't dress up in the goalie mask and block for you. Mom and them can't do it for you. Grandma and Grandpa can't do it for you. You're going to have to block those thoughts on your own, consistently saying, I am not allowing unscriptural thoughts to get past the net ever again. Turn to somebody and tell them, block the shots. Say it again. Say, block the shots. Say, block the shots in Jesus' name. And if you'll notice by, by, by intent and on purpose, it gets monotonous after a while. Jim Craig stocks it. Jim Craig knocks it away. Jim Craig stops it over and over again. Well, that's you from now on. Amen. Ruth stopped another one. And Ruth stopped another one. And Ruth stopped another one. So that sounds tiring. That's the key to victory. Yes, we scored four goals. Yes, that was a team effort. Can I tell you who really won that match for us? Jim Craig. Because it could have been a 12 to 15 goal blowout. They had done that to them just a few weeks before at Madison Square Garden. What was the difference? Somebody stopped letting the puck get into the net. It's not that you're not saved. It's not that God doesn't love you. It's not that you don't have great potential. It's not that the promise of God are somehow wasted on other people and you don't have promises of God. It's that you're letting too many rogue thoughts get into the net. Protect it. Amen. Turn to somebody and smile and say, block those shots. Block. Say, well, how do I know what to block? Ask yourself some questions. Does the input honor the present day ministry of the Holy Ghost? And if it doesn't, block that shot. You got voices out there telling you God doesn't do miracles anymore. There's no such thing as a baptism in the Holy Spirit. Tongues are of the devil or they've passed away. And on and on it goes. Signs and wonders and miracles. That was just to prove that, that God was God. You've got to block that shot. You hear that nonsense enough and you won't believe in miracles anymore. An entire generation now bragging about how they're deconstructing from the Christian faith. Say, Pastor, what is that? Let me help you out here. That's just a fancy term for apostasy. The scripture foretold that in the last times many would depart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Pastor's translation, they allowed the puck to get in the net over and over and over again. God doesn't heal. There's no hell. God saved everybody through the cross and everybody's going, to, and on and on it goes. Yeah, you can be saved, but if you don't guard that net, and block those shots, especially when it becomes things like the Holy Spirit, you'll miss out on what God has for you. I thank God the Holy Ghost is alive and well and functioning in us. Amen. We don't need less of the Holy Ghost right now. We need more of the Holy Ghost in our lives. We need His signs and wonders and miracles. We need all nine of His gifts. We need Him in operation in our life. So you hear somebody down in the ministry of the Holy Spirit and somehow trying to marginalize because they're afraid of the things of God? Block that shot. Does the input preach and teach the uncompromised word of God? Do they preach full redemption? That you are redeemed from the curse. Amen. You are redeemed from spiritual death, sickness and disease and poverty. Is it all being preached? Is all the gospel being preached? Is the uncompromised word being preached? If not, block that shot. I mean, listen to God's a healer one day and then go listen to somebody else. Well, you never know what God's going to do. One day you listen to somebody tells you Jesus is the only way to heaven. And then you expose yourself to somebody tells you, well, you know what? There might be many paths to heaven. No. One thing I can tell you about this, 
And the funny thing about my swimming career, do you know those rascals wouldn't change the rules later on? The things they gave me DQ slips for when I was eight are no longer against the rules. I want to send them a bill. But you know something about God's word? Never changes. You block the shot if they're coming down against the things of the Spirit of God. You block the shot if they're not preaching the uncompromised Word of God. Full redemption. Does the input bear the fruit of the Spirit? Is the person who's communicating that have real love and concern and compassion for your eternity and for your life? Is there mercy there? Everybody say mercy. mercy. Or are they just biting on each other? Criticizing each other? I have, I have never seen in my life more picking on, ministries picking on each other and criticizing each other. You know, the holiness camp versus the, what they call the hyper-evangelicals, you know, and the evangelicals against the charismatics and the Pentecostals and, and everybody's against the word of faith people. Huh? The unrenewed mind. And here's the thing that's happening is the gospel if everyone took that time on social media and the media and books and magazines and focused on the loss, you and I would already be in glory by now. It is a lie for the pit of hell to do this. Who are you to judge another man's servant? Apostles came to Jesus and said, they were trying to drive out demons in your name and we tried to stop them. Jesus said, leave them alone. If they're not against me, they're what? They're for me. You mind your own business. Mind your P's and Q's. Yeah, well, you know, Paul called out people by name. Didn't he? he called out people who are obstructing his specific ministry and people under his covering and in his band of brothers. That's it. He didn't go across the denominational lines and tell everybody how terrible they're doing it. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? I'm not Catholic, but I'm not going to pick on them. I'm not Baptist, but I'm not going to pick on them. I'm, well, I'm going to pick on Lutherans a little bit because I was Lutheran. So. But that is not getting us advanced in the end times. And here's the funny thing. I see people in the body of Christ doing this, but I don't see people in the world doing this. When's the last time you saw Adam over at Sirloin Stockade get on television and criticizing somebody over in another restaurant? Huh? They don't do it right. Their food's not as good as ours. How do you get somebody to come to a restaurant? Good food, good service. Not by downing the restaurant down the street. Take your pick. Murray Bank, get on the air and slam CFSB across the street. My bank, I don't even say the name of my bank because the name changes so often. <laughs> By the time I get it out of my mouth, it's changed again. That's the way they do. <laughs> you don't have one bank president going around slamming another bank president trying to get people to come to their bank. What am I saying? I'm saying Christians are acting dumber than the world. Preach the gospel. Keep that junk out of your head. Don't expose yourself to people who are biting and cutting on each other. That tells you all you need to know about their character. They've got nothing to teach you when they're acting that way. Amen. Well, I don't know about you, but I ain't going to Huck's anymore. I go to Pockets. You shouldn't go to Huck's. Go to Pockets. And the Huck's people say, go to Pockets, and they'll get in your pocket. You should go to Huck's. Now I'm going to pockets because over at Hux they got hucksters. You don't hear this stuff. Why not? One airline doesn't get on the air attack of another airline. What do they do? They espouse the benefits of their service or lack of it. I don't know about you, but if I'm flying, I'm going to find out if a panel on the airplane is going to stay intact or fly off in mid-flight. Can I have one of those airplanes where everything is bolted down? I want one of those kind. Come on, say it with me. Protect 
You've got to protect yourself from this stuff. It sounds all holy and righteous, but in reality, it's the antithesis of Christ because it's not based in love and mercy. I've dealt with addicts. I have dealt with people who cross the line sexually. I've dealt with people who were criminals. I've dealt with all kinds of people in the ministry all the years I've been in ministry. But you know, the worst one to deal with is the one who's received mercy from God and won't give it to anybody else. And can I tell you something else? According to Matthew 18, that person is in danger of gnashing of teeth in darkness. He took the thief on the cross. He took Mary Magdalene. But there are a lot of people in the body of Christ who are not merciful, who may not make it, not because they're terrible, they just won't give that mercy to somebody else. Amen. So, there's no reason for First Baptist to attack Second Baptist. Or for this Church of Christ to attack some other organization. Or for that preacher to write his mouth about that pastor. First of all, people don't know how difficult it is in ministry the way it is without all that nonsense going on. But over here, we're so arrogant and prideful that we think we can correct everybody else. Watch this. Just like airlines and banks and restaurants, what we're going to do here is just espouse the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. And attract by what is what is good and positive, not out there is wrong, but in what's going on right in here. Are you here today? Protect yourself. I've seen people wipe out spiritually because they gave their ear to this stuff. They don't sing right. They don't preach right. They don't do this. They don't do that. No. Focus on the lost. You know, God will sort all that stuff out. You know, every one of y'all going to be in remedial training when you get there anyway? The arrogance. You should come to this restaurant because all the other restaurants stink. You don't even hear the world do that. Turn to somebody and tell them, protect your heart. Come on, say it again, protect that heart. Say it again, protect that heart. Does the input remain from attacking other ministries and ministers? Does the Input, live a godly life. Are they pure of mind and heart and behavior? If no is the answer, it means you need to turn your ear and protect yourself. You are the goalie of your own mind. Say it, I am the goalie of my own mind. And there's no one else coming in. The whistle's not going to blow and God's going to send somebody else in. You're it. Finally, brothers, Philippians 4 says this, whatever is true, meaning what is not false, whatever is noble, meaning of the highest moral aptitude and principles, whatever is lovely, it means basically pleasing and acceptable to God, whatever is admirable versus shameful, whatever is excellent, supreme in expression, whatever is praiseworthy, you know, what would God think about what you're saying? Is it praiseworthy? If you are thinking things, this is what you want to be thinking. Turn to somebody and smile and begin and say, you're the goalie. Say it again, you're the goalie of your own life. Check your thoughts in real time. Say real time. Come on, say it again. Check your thoughts in real time and do what? Slap them aside. Amen? Let's practice. The devil says you're ugly. Now, did you really have to think about that for a second? Say, I'm not ugly, I'm made in the image of God. Turn to somebody and say, you're handsome or you're pretty. You know, I, I heard this often said, and it's so true, the devil doesn't come slithering through the front door. He accesses your life through a crack in your foundation. Just like a snake. He comes and says to you, you'll never be anything. Slap it aside because you're already something. Oh, you'll never get healed. By his stripes I am healed. Slap it aside. You'll never have anything. Now the blessing of the Lord maketh rich and he has no sorrow to it. Slap it aside. Turn to somebody and tell them, slap that thought. 
Some of you have to slap it a lot of times. Yes, amen. Number four, inject. Inject what? Intentionally and consistently immerse yourself and saturate yourself in the Word of God. This is where you find the seeds of unlimited life and assimilate the unlimited imagination of God because you're assimilating what He thinks about something. This book, yes, amen. Paul said that the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching one another in songs with thanksgiving in your heart to God, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to God, and then it tells us in Psalm 119, uh, verse 11, uh, st- uh, store up the word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Say, I'm going to store. I'm going to store up his word. Not all that other garbage, but storing up his word in your heart that you might not sin against him. Paul put it this way in Romans 12, be transformed by the renewing, by the slapping away of rogue thoughts. And by putting in there what God thinks about that situation. Here's the bottom line. If you don't change your mind, you'll not be transformed. One day you'll go to heaven with a mind that's not fully transformed and a life that didn't benefit from that transformed mind. It's entirely up to you. Now, there's only one source of this kind of truth anywhere in the universe. It's right here. And just like slapping thoughts is a way is a choice, inputting, injecting this word in your life daily is a choice. No one's going to do it for you. Well, that's what I'm here for. It's your job to inject me. No? How many you know there's a difference between somebody coming to get an allergy shot occasionally and being on, you know, insulin every day? Yeah. You health professionals out there, does somebody want to come into a clinic every day and get a shot of insulin? Or do you teach them how to do it? Does that make sense? Now, in my mom's case, she has a dog now on insulin. So Ruth went over there having a healthcare background, brought an orange and a syringe, and taught my mom how to stab that dog. <laughs> um, what I'm doing today is showing you how to stab yourself. It's up to you to do it. But here's the kicker. If she doesn't stab that dog, that dog going to die. His, his sugar was almost, what, 700? Hey Amen. A dog was crazy before, but you should see that dog on 700. This is where we tell you what to inject, how to inject, how to stay faithful to it, you know. But it's up to you to do it. Here's a tip. It starts with opening up the book. Take it off the bookshelf. (laughs) Amen. You know, every once in a while we'll find some Bibles laying around here, and they'll lay around here, and they'll lay around here. And And I try not to open them up and find the name, but every once in a while I do. Because I'm wondering, their Bible's here, what they doing at home? What, what they be ejecting themselves with at home? <laughs> Come on, say it with a smile. We come to church to be told how to inject ourselves with the Word of God. And we're blessed because we have it. Amen. I said we're blessed because we have it. Not just in written form. Of course, you have the preached word, uncompromised word, all over the web. You can just feed yourself nonstop if you want to. But nobody can do that. I want to encourage you today to be consistent in this. Amen. And the last principle is what? Reflect. Reflect. And all that means is for you to consistently meditate on what you are injecting thinking the thoughts of God, speaking the thoughts of God, and then acting on the thoughts of God, and then repeat over and over again. You know the scriptures, we taught them an awful lot here in Joshua chapter 1. He was going to 
you know, go forth. His mentor, his, his father in the faith was gone, Moses. And now he was going to have to be in charge of leading all these people into the promised land, which he did. He was in charge of all the services, all the leadership and the military campaigns, which he was very effective at. And he said, this is how you're going to be successful, Joshua. Don't let the book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night that you'll be careful to do, but to do it. And what he was saying is, it's not, oh, don't speak the word. He's saying, don't stop talking the word of God. Don't stop meditating on it. Don't stop ruminating. Don't stop speaking it. Because if you do this, you're going to adjust your behavior in the direction of doing that word. And you will make your way successful. Look at somebody say, you inject yourself and you make yourself successful by what you do with this word. Amen. Psalm 1 tells us that we're blessed if we meditate day and night upon that word. We are what? Established, fixed by streams of living water. Amen. Which what? Whose leaf does not wither. Whose, whose fruit is consistent throughout all life. We're established and nourished and fruitful. And the Bible says that God blesses that kind of a person. You get injected with something, not just for a one-time shot, but again, to think about that all the time. What God says. Now, when's the last time somebody said something ugly to you? Injected you. And you failed to block that shot. And I see a show of hands. If somebody's ever said something to you and you did not block the shot. And it went right in here. And what did you do? You thought about it for days. Some of y'all are thinking about it now. And when we grow up in this, and all of us have to grow up in this, we, we wake up and go, I just gave three, four, five days away to the enemy. I just gave my meditation over for all those days when I could have been meditating on the Word of God. And I just want to say this to you. Uh, we're responsible for our own net. But as Christians, shouldn't we be helping each other? By not knocking unscriptural things in their net. Hurtful things in their net. Let me help you out here. Oh, Judah's all excited about the things of God. And some Christian comes over to him one day and says, Oh, you better watch out for that Hope Harbor. I'm telling you what, brother. And Pastor Art, oh my goodness, I'll tell you one thing. And that person diminishes the leadership in his hearing. And he withdraws his heart and his teachable spirit because of what somebody else said to him. <laughs> did you really love him when you did that? No, you just enjoy poisoning people. Because if you really loved him, you'd want him to excel in his walk with God. But now he may even sit here physically, but he can't receive because what you did is you diminished somebody in their, their, their eyes with your mouth. That's not Christian love. I've watched people be almost destroyed by this. Somebody was loose with their mouth and loose with the truth, but there was no one there to correct it. And I've seen some people go into a hiatus for years and some people never come back from that kind of experience. We must be careful about injecting our brothers and sisters. We do not reduce each other in the eyes of others. You should be building others up. Watch this. If there are three men together and we're talking about a fourth brother, everybody in that circle ought to feel better about that brother and not less. That's how the body of Christ should function. Come on, say that's the way we're going to be. In Jesus' name. Say in Jesus' name. That's the way we're going to be. It's bad enough the devil's shooting the internet and people shooting the internet and false theology shooting the internet and there's, you know, all kinds of garbage out there online shooting the internet. We shouldn't be shooting nonsense at each other's net. Just, you know, remember what mom always told you. What did Mama say? Mama said a lot. But you can't say something nice. Don't say anything at all. Instead of reducing somebody, help them believe. 
That's where the mercy comes in. There are some people that once they see your, your humanity, that you're not perfect, they can't handle you. You know the, the hypocrisy of that is? The person who made that judgment is not free of sin and error themselves. So the only choice we have is to walk in humility with each other and give mercy to each other. Amen? Because we are a room full of people who made mistakes. See, when you do that, what you're saying is that person's mistakes are worse than yours. You are better than they are. Does that sound like humility? No. Amen. So turn to somebody and tell them, block that shot. And don't inject your brothers with poison. Remember that? Remember when Noah got off the boat? Grew some grapes. Made some wine. Got into his tent. Amen. Naked and drunk. And his one son saw him. Naked and drunk. And what did he do? He went out and tried to reduce their father in the eyes of his two other brothers. You know what the two brothers did? Put a garment between them and walk in backwards so as to not defile and disgrace and disrespect their father. In other words, his nakedness is between him and God. And here's what happened. Noah came out and blessed those two sons and the other one walked in the curse. But wait a minute, I didn't get drunk. I wasn't naked. Why am I cursed? Because you violated the number one rule of the kingdom of God, the rule and the law of love. Amen. So praise the Lord. What did you learn in church today? I learned how to stick myself, bless God, inject myself with the word of God. <laughs> and I learned how to, what, reflect on it. Say it with me. Haven't done all to stand. Stand there for him. We have powerful weapons to cast down vain imaginations and everything that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. I mean, everything that contradicts the word of God, but you have to go further, just turn it down. You have to sow to the spirit. You have to just inject yourself consistently with the word of God and take the word that you have injected yourself and meditate on it day and night. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. So how many champions do I have in here? Yeah. How many winners do I have in here? How many more than conquerors do I have in here? Yeah. Amen. Come on, shout out the losers. The losers. Have left the building. I don't mean the ones that got up and left earlier. Don't say that. I mean, <laughs> do you hear what he said after you left? Teach you to get up in the middle of a service again. He said the losers left the building. Can't believe that pastor would say that. That's exactly how a lot of people think and act. That's not what I said. Right? I'm just simply telling you, ain't no losers in here. I said no losers in the house today. Not a single one of you going to lose. Amen. You're, you're more than a conqueror through him who loves you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You're not going somewhere to fail. You're going somewhere to succeed. You've got the mind of Christ, amen. You've got the word of God in your heart, in your mouth. You've got all the powerful weapons of your warfare, amen. You've got everything you need to succeed in this life. You have believed the lies of the devil long enough. And maybe some humans jumped on the lies and kind of injected them into your life. But in Jesus' name right now, I call you unpoisoned in Jesus' name. You are free from that poison in Jesus' name. You are not what they said you are. You will not become what they said you're going to become. Everything from the time you were a little taught to your adult life, you are not what they said. You're what he says. Choose to believe what God says about you. Amen. And I'm going to tell you something. We'll be there clapping and celebrating as you win. Not gone, well, I don't know why they're doing so well. They don't deserve that. Learn to clap for each other. I mean, seriously now. Somebody pays $1,000 for a ticket to watch somebody shake their rear end on a stage and sing. And you, oh, God, oh, oh, oh. 
and you're clapping and going nuts. Yes, I'm talking to you Swifties out there. Yes. Oh! I want a ticket. Give me a ticket. And your brothers and sisters around you are pulling down victories every week. Little baby girl goes to Vanderbilt with lungs filled with pneumonia. Body Christ prays for her. And even the doctor said, we don't understand how this baby made that turnaround. But God, we're not talking about in La La Land out there or somewhere else. Right here, people of God praying and intervening in that little child's life. It's real. He's a miracle working God. It matters what you're exposing yourself. It matters what you're saying to yourself. Glory to God. And you know, so as we, we progress and, and we get into the word that speaks of God's more in certain areas, you're not going to block those shots. You're going to block the shots that have been telling you God's holding out on you. Amen. Can you stand and give him a hand clap and a praise offering today and thank him for the goodness that he is in your life? Bless the Lord.